Six members of one family have been found shot to death in their night clothes in their expensive home in Amityville, Long Island. The only available information at this moment, according to the Amityville Village Police, is that the, mem the victims have been identified as members of the DeFeo family. They were found by a 23-year-old son, Ronald DeFeo, who is believed to be the only surviving member of the family. Six members of the family found shot to death in their home in Amityville, Long Island. We will have further details on the 11 o'clock news. Welcome to History Creeps. I am one of your co-hosts, Chris Chavez, and I am sitting here with Johnny Townsend. And we're here bringing you a brand new podcast, History Creeps. Hot off the presses. Hot off the presses, indeed. Um, new podcast come off presses. I am not sure. I don't know anything about how this works. It comes. It goes <laughs> through a printing mill first, and then laid on wax, and you play it through a phonograph. Um, I like it. That's yeah. how it should be done. That's how we should have our podcast. Since we're going to go with a lot of history, uh, a lot of the things that happened in the past, I think we should put it out on wax. And the only way you're allowed to listen is on phonograph. I agree with that. You got to get a record player or you cannot hear us. <laughs> so this is going to be our premiere episode. We're talking about um, things that happen through history, uh, things that are mysterious, creepy, um, out of the norm. How else would Odd. you describe it? Odd. Beautiful. Yep. Um, and our first episode, our premiere episode, as you heard at the beginning of the, the, uh, the show here is Amityville. Yeah. You know, Amityville is obviously really well known for the movie yep. or movies. I should say there was more than one now, um, the book that spurred the movies. And of course all it's arguably, arguably one of the, the, uh, most famous of haunted houses. Oh, easily. In the country. Oh, yeah, for sure. I mean, as soon as you hear Amityville, even though that's actually the name of the town, yep, it, you think of you know a haunted house. That's your first thought. The house, exactly. Or the demons, or the devil, or something to that effect. Yeah. I remember, before we get started, started into this, I do remember when uh, I seen a picture of the boy, the ghost picture, and we'll probably get into that a little bit more later. Okay. But that's what really spurred my interest in this, because even if... That is a fake picture. It is beyond creepy. <laughs> <laughs> it really is. Um, I, I'd say my the first my in my first introduction to Amityville. I was a little kid actually, and I've always been into scary, creepy things, horror, ghosts, and stuff. And like eight or nine years old, I remember talking to my mom uh, about ghost stories and things. And she told me because she grew up in on Long Island, and she told me about this house that was haunted out there in Amityville. And uh, that there was a book about it. So I wanted to read the book. And she was like, no, nah, you got to wait till you're older. Um, and sure enough, so the next day I went to the library and checked it out. <laughs> and because I, I wasn't allowed to read it, I couldn't read it in the, during the day when she'd see. So I waited till everyone went to bed at night and would read it at night in my room with all the lights off, you know, with the flashlight. And that was a, yeah. a big mistake. But that was my introduction into the world of Amityville. Um, and then as we, we grew up and we found out there was a lot more to it. Um, and some of the most actual mysterious and like 
uh, unsolved, like weird parts of it is what happened before all that stuff, before the movie, before the people that moved in and had a book made about ghosts and demons, um, the murders, like there were murders that actually took place in the house. And- they, were, they weren't just murders. They were something even beyond that. It was just pure. E- I mean, I don't know if you believe in evil or not, but the act itself was could oh. be described as evil. Oh, easily. It's And it's insane. Uh, it's un unsolved still it's unsolved on how those murders occurred so what do you say we just get right into it let's 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 start with um you said you had a little bit of info on the town itself Amityville. yeah the, the actual the actual town of amityville that wasn't what it was called before i don't remember um what other town but you know all the little towns it's not that far from the actual city of new york there right and it's it, it split itself off of another little suburb i guess into its own thing and Amityville itself means like uh, a friendship or something of that sort. Oh yeah, and it's sort of an upscale. I've never been there. I mean, you live in New York, so I don't know if you've been there or not. Um, I've never been to Amityville. I've been to the city, and I've been on Long Island because, uh, like, all the boroughs out are out on Long Island, Queens, um, you know, uh, Bronx, all those areas, uh, and. Amityville's on south the south shore of the island, but I've never been yeah. out there. I think uh, Anthony said he wanted to go out, and we're we're going to be going out for New York Comic Con uh, coming up in a couple weeks, so we'll probably go drive by the house. Yeah, brag, why don't you? <laughs> I'll take a picture and send it to you. <laughs> yeah, so, you tell me hey. if you see any ghost boys up in the window. <laughs> okay, <laughs> but yeah, you know, if you uh, if you're on the move, your whole family somewhere, and you say, "Hey, Amity means friendship or or kindness or you know." Peace. Puppies and flowers and unicorns. That's where you want to take your kids to. Yeah. Because it sounds like it's a great place to raise a family. Nope. It's kind of upscale, uh, you know, all that sort of stuff. That's, and the actual house itself, of course, is it's got the famous address of 112 Ocean Avenue. Yeah. Um, now, did you know now the house itself is no longer on that address? Oh, did they move it? They actually moved the house to 108. So currently the real house itself is on 108 Ocean Avenue. There's a house on 112, but the actual house itself was moved over a lot or two. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah. But yeah the, um, you know, it's really distinct because it's got the two, people called them the eyes of the yeah. house. You know, the little uh, things on the front of the architecture. It makes it look like it has eyes that are just staring at you. Oh, it's a famous uh, facade. You see that on, on the, the posters, the book, all those. You When you see it, you'd recognize it. You know that. that oh, house. yeah, for sure. It's it's unmistakable. As soon as you see it, you know what it is. Um, it's kind of like a Picasso painting. <laughs> you know, nobody else painted like Picasso. Exactly. It's a um, and another another little tidbit is those windows are no longer there either. See, the reason they moved the house and changed the look of it uh, was because after the movie and after all the sensationalism of what happened, uh, the people who un- ended up owning the house after uh, the Lutz family got tired of tourists and people showing up. Oh yeah, which I don't blame them because if I was just trying to live my life, then every two seconds there's some guy taking a piece of my house. You know, it's not a good day for me. Uh, but you know, in around the 1965, uh, Ronald and Louise DeFeo, that's when they bought the house. Yeah, uh, they moved in there with uh, their. Wait, did you say 65 or 75? 65. That's what I have. Oh, the oh, I'm sorry. You know, pardon me. You said the DeFeos, and in my head, I had the Lutz family. I don't know why. Well, they're going to get intertwined probably yes. quite a few times. They sure will. That's the two main families involved in this whole story. Yeah. Um, and he and he lived there for nine years, and I'm putting a cap on that because of what happened. Yep. Uh, on November 13th in 1974, 
uh, Ronald DeFeo Jr. as the youngest son. Mm-hmm. Uh, he was he didn't have the greatest reputation. Uh, it seems from all the little interviews and stuff I've seen that that he was uh, considered kind of a bully, a ruffian, if you will. Oh, I like that word, a ruffian. He <laughs> he, um, he had the look too with the the scraggly beard and the kind of, uh, and he had crazy eyes too. I oh, heard yeah. somebody say he had like the Charles Manson eyes, and he kind of does. He does. He kind of looks like Manson. He had that Manson look. Yeah, he's know? got a man, and he had the whole facial beard. Facial beard. Yeah, that's what I call beards. <laughs> facial beards. Do you he think? Do you think his look was was cultivated? Do you think he did that on purpose because, like, maybe he was kind of because they said he was into some LSD and heroin like heavily? Oh, they uh, said he did a lot of drugs for sure. So LSD, you know, that might that it, it certain people it could help open their minds. Other people it can make you go over the edge, you know. So maybe he saw Manson as an inspiration, and that's why he had that weird look about him. I believe the drugs will do either one of two things. You'll either be the Beatles or you'll be this guy. <laughs> you'll make great music or you're, you know, you'll murder your family. It's one or the other. Basically, right? Yeah. Uh, that's insane. So this family you said moved in in 65. Uh, right. I know they moved from Brooklyn, right? They moved from yeah. the city. That's right. Um, and w- did you, when you were looking into that, did you see anything about the rumors or the idea that they were somehow connected to the mob? Well, the... From what I've understood, DeFeo Sr. like either ran or owned or worked for uh, a car lot there. And a lot of the rumors were that that car lot was just a front yeah. for the mob. Yeah. And that's where they run a lot of their stuff through. Exactly. But that was never confirmed or denied from what I've understood. Right. Okay. So, uh, you know, it's in that area, you're always going to hear the mob. You know the background of the mob is some of some way, especially in that era. Uh, that was basically the mob's heyday. It was the sixties, seventies in in New York City. Yeah, um, but you know, I think you said you had a clip of when uh, DeFeo kind of came in to his to the, his local bar and shouted about what had happened to him. Oh yeah, this is cool. They uh, they ended up finding the bartender. Uh, give this a listen here. He came. He opened the door and he was screaming, "Come on, help me! Somebody shot my mother and father." And- Everyone ran out of the bar, and that was it. They all took off. No, I had to stay. I was 10 anymore. They all jumped in his car and took off. That was it. Like, he just came in, wild-eyed, said, somebody killed my mother and father. Yep. So when they went back to the house, they found a total of six people were killed. Yep. Um, His mom, his dad, uh, his sister. Two, um, Two sisters. Yeah, his two sisters, one was older, one was 18, the other one was only 13. Yep, two brothers. And his, and his two brothers who were really young, 12 and 9, they were all shot dead in their own beds. They were face down from what I remember hearing. Um, oh, yeah. Have you seen? Have you ever seen the pictures of it? I've seen sort of. I don't try to get into too much into that, <laughs> just, just for my own sanity. You're not, you're not going out of your way to look up the pictures at like 1130 at night right before you go to bed? Yeah. I don't really need to see them. <laughs> just hearing what happened. You know, it's just terrible enough. But yeah. yeah, so he runs. His story was that he walked in and found that, and then he ran to the bar and told everybody. Right. Um, did you hear originally he also said that he feared it was a mob hit? Yeah, he would. He kept claiming that, you know, all through this whole thing, you'll hear him make up about five or six different ways that this yeah. happened. Oh, yeah. Uh, the that's initi- just that's kind of how he is from the sounds of things. So just change his story constantly yeah the initial thing was that it was a mob hit and because of it the police actually put him in protection at the very beginning of this thing he was never uh, a suspect they actually put him in protection um listen here this is a cool cl- clip that talks about that here one sec 
Today, police combed the DeFeo's handsome three-story house for clues while divers explored the backyard swimming pool for the still-unfound murder weapon. Police have been questioning the son, Ronald, and now say he is being, quote, safeguarded. Investigators say without explanation that they now feel young DeFeo was in the house at the time of the murders, but they're not yet considering him a suspect. And so we forth. have no suspect at this time. Is we Ronald... have no indication of the motive at this time. What about Ronald uh, DeFeo, the son, the surviving son? Ronald is being safeguarded by the Suffolk County Police at this safeguarded. time. Why safeguarded. Why? Because the six members of the family dead, and we don't know why, and he's the sole remaining member. The also a suspect? He's not a suspect at this time. Pretty, it's... I like when, like, now that we can go back and look at this, you can actually see these little things um, that come out. Because, like you said originally, the family was considered a violent family. It's, he, it goes back and forth it. with that. And I want to say that, <laughs> that Cliff, <laughs> I pick out little things when I hear stuff. Yeah, but yeah. Did they, they describe the house as handsome? <laughs> let's see. Hold on. I want to hear it again. Let me it's see. near the beginning. Okay, let's see. Today, police combed the DeFeo's handsome three-story house for clues while... <laughs> <laughs> There's six dead bodies inside, bullets in their backs and heads, and it's quite a handsome house, let me tell hey, you. Hey, Chris, I just want to let you know that I I just saw your house, and it's, I gotta say, it's the most handsome house I've ever seen. Well, thank you. It comes I mean, with I, six bodies. Could you, could you put in a good word for me for the house? You know, <laughs> it, it is funny, the, the terminology they used to use back then. <laughs> uh, back then, like, it was that far away. I mean, it is a little bit over 40 years, right? Oh, yeah, 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 for sure. Wow. I mean, I'm bad at math, but it's at least over 10. Uh, but, um, <laughs> yeah, so he wasn't he wasn't actually considered a suspect yet. They really no, thought not it was at a first. mob hit. Um, you know, the police got there, and then they took him to, like, I think it was a neighbor's house, and they kept him there for a while. But, yeah, the you had asked before about the family being violent, and it depends on who you ask. Uh, some would say that, like, they were, when they moved in, the whole other rest of Amityville didn't like them because they were kind of a loud... Yep family that the dad was abusive yep. um that um you know they all knew about the whole mob thing mm-hmm. that they his son the uh, Feos jr was given an allowance like a, a, a crazy amount of allowance for doing nothing pretty much yeah he went out and blew money like he was extravagant um they said that they used the boathouse in the water uh the waterway along the back to bring drugs into the community and people weren't happy about that yeah but now if you uh, see other interviews though of like the they're grown up now but when they were kids they were friends with the the younger kids of the family oh yeah they'll paint a very different picture they'll tell you that you know that they were really like the dad was strict but he wasn't you know, like that he was like a good christian man or whatever yeah. or catholic i think he was catholic catholic and, yeah and he would um isn't catholic know, christian are they <laughs> the beliefs are, they... are very similar i'm personally a christian but the beliefs are similar but there's a little differences too. Is there? Like, okay. Like I, like I, <laughs> I was about to say something terrible. <laughs> uh, anyway, let's bring it back uh, to the story. <laughs> but you're right. There was people who said that they were. Um, there's an interview on one of the. I think the Smithsonian did a, a thing on this, and it's really, really good. They interviewed one of their childhood friends, and he's just telling about the part of when he found out that his friends were murdered oh yeah and he can't even that. say it he breaks down this is you know 40 years later that's right i saw that and he would sit there and he he's the one who would tell you that you know the 
he never got any of that from that. He was at their house all the time. Well, here's the crazy thing, too. Um, that same interview we were listening to when they were interviewing the bartender, uh, yep. this is what was said by actual neighbors. I, I mean, listen, you're talking about the day after or the, the two days after it happened. So this is exactly what they were saying at that time. Here you go. Few people in the neighborhood knew the family well, but those who did described them as close-knit. Well, I, figured, I think they were just very sweet, very religious people, very family-minded people. And that's about all I could say. Very good, very generous, this type. I mean, very close with their children. Does that sound like he's beating the crap out of his children? Well, you also got to realize, <laughs> I mean, I don't obviously mean you don't know because we weren't there. Yeah, we can't yeah. say one way or the other. But, you know, after, I mean, this is tragic. I mean, even yeah. just one person being killed this yeah. way is terrible. But nobody's going to sit there and say, oh, he was a terrible person. He just <laughs> he was just shot in the face with a shotgun. Nobody's well, going to sit there. Well, he deserved it. Yeah. Running around town. <laughs> he had it coming to him. Running around town like he owned the place. He deserved it. He was in the mob. But, uh, <laughs> or maybe that's why they were like, oh, no, they were lovely people because it was mob. They're like, I'm not getting shot. Are you kidding? That was a lovely man right there. It's a handsome house. You seen that house? That's a handsome house. I've never seen a house more handsome than that house there. <laughs> but uh, eventually, though, you know, the police get there and they're yep. going through the house, um, and they take Ronnie to the side, and mm-hmm. eventually he confesses that yeah. he's the reason that they're dead. He gives more than one story to why it happened. Right. Uh, the mob thing, like you said, was yep. the first one. He brought up that his sister did it all. Yep. Dawn, the oldest sister, and that he ended up killing her after she went too far and killed his brothers and sisters. Yep. Um, down to like a demon told him to do it. Yeah. There was also, uh, he said, there was one of the confessions. He said uh, he did it with his sister and a friend of his um, that originally that they were just tired of all the abuse and the sister wanted to move away with her boyfriend to Florida. The dad wouldn't let her. So one night she was down in the basement with him and this friend of his uh, getting high and they said, let's go kill him. And so the three of them did it. But what ended up happening is they just killed the parents. Uh, the friend ran out of the house. Couldn't believe they actually did it. Ronnie ran after him uh, to, to bring him back to help with the cleanup. And she went nuts and killed all the kids because she didn't want them to, to be witnesses. Right. And there's a lot of little weird things oh, yeah. through this whole thing. The gun that they used was like um was a really loud gun. Nobody in the neighborhood reported report reported. Yeah. Reported. Reported. <laughs> it was nobody a, nobody said that they heard anything a except high, for a dog bark. Yeah, it's a high powered rifle. You're it's a hunting rifle, basically. Um, is what they said it, it was used. And yeah. They even did a test on it and they said you could hear it five blocks away. Yeah, there was no signs of struggle. Yeah, no, none of they said after an autopsy and all this, how the bodies were found was how they were laying when they were killed, which is insane. And no one was drugged. They the autopsy said there was no drugs, no, no sleeping pills, nothing. No one struggled. Basically, everyone laid on their bellies and allowed themselves to be shot in the back and the back of the head. Yeah, and I don't know about you, but I'm allergic to bullets, <laughs> and I would not be laying there. Well, first of all, I'm allergic to the sound of shotguns going off while I'm trying to sleep. Oh, yeah, I'm jumping out of that daggum left eyeball of the house. I mean, I'll make it less handsome just trying to get away. Put a patch on it. Make it a one-eyed house. A pirate house. Arr, come on in. Arr, there be ghosts here. But no, you're. I mean, like, seriously, who doesn't wake up? That's insane. It, and yeah, it, just, makes, it makes zero sense. And the other thing that sort of a little bit backs up one of Ronnie's many claims was that they found gun residue on Dawn, his oldest sister's clothes. Yeah. 
And they'll, they're saying the only way she could get that is if she had actually held the gun. Exactly. Um, except she was lying on her stomach again right. without struggle. Um, and one of his stories was he wrestled with her, smashed her against the wall, and threw her on the bed and shot her. Uh, yet the autopsy shows no no signs of struggle. And usually when you're struggling with someone, there's fibers under your nails, hairs, something. And there was no bruises or there you know was- anything like that. But they found none of that. Um, if you see any interviews now of of Ronnie Jr. Mm-hmm. He still doesn't seem like he's all there. Like there's obviously no. something amiss, but uh, he goes to trial. And, and during this time, this was huge. You know, this is before, this is pre-internet age. Yep. This is pre-social media. Nobody's uh, texting, you know, hashtag, you know, OMG, team, this happened. Team Ronnie. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> because there always are. There's always those weirdos that are like, no, we're, we're for him. We stand with him. Yeah. He's telling the truth. He's not crazy at all. Where's the demons? Nobody lives in a handsome house like that. Is that crazy? <laughs> but, yeah. So he goes to trial. It's one of the biggest trials of that time. Um, and he's convicted of, I believe it's six counts, and he's sentenced to six consecutive life sentences yep. for what he did. Yeah. And he's still in jail now, per my knowledge. He didn't die? I thought I thought maybe. Oh, yeah, did he, he pass away? I'm not, you know, I'm actually going to look that up live right now. You go ahead and finish. Yeah, you look that up. Uh, he, I'm getting some feedback there. Sorry. No, he's, st- he's still uh, alive. He's still alive. Okay, see, that's what I thought. Because some of these interviews I've seen have been pretty recent. Yeah. He looks a lot different now. But, um, he doesn't have a face beard. <laughs> yeah, it's, uh, he's quite gaunt, if you will. Yeah. Um, I mean, so even still- that, I mean, even that would change the, the aura and how a town feels. Because you don't just have that happen in your town and not and everything go back to being rosy and and whatever. I mean it's a big huge thing to happen. Exactly. Tragic. And he and during trial like you were saying uh, before, he got convicted, but during trial uh, he did say he heard voices. He was saying that he heard voices that told him to kill kill his parents. Um and like you said his story changed, but when he was originally saying he did it himself, uh he heard voices doing it. And his lawyer, what was his name? W- Weber. Uh Yeah. William Weber, isn't it? I believe it is something like yeah, that. He um he lost the case but decided he was gonna cash in on it. Like he started planning on writing a book right away about this. And guy. he's gonna he's gonna come in big time with the next part of this. Oh yeah. But, uh, but that's why I mentioned it because during he's a this, he's a character. Yeah. Well that's why I mentioned it right now. I just want that put out there that like after the conviction, um, after trying to say that his his client was, you know, psychotic uh, he decided he, he played, they played insanity is what they were going yeah, for. He could, he could make money now by writing a book. Sure. His, his, his client lost, but let me make money. Cause this is interesting. Yeah. Um, and before we even go any further, let, let, let me pull it back one more step further. These murders happened in 1974, right? In 19. Now remember this, you're, these happened in the climate of, um, a nation that was swept by a movie that blew people away at the very end of 1973, the exorcist came out in theaters. And at that time there was move. There was never anything like that scene. Like it shocked people. People would vomit in the theaters. People left the theaters so upset because of the things shown in that movie. Um, so now you're, you're talking about a nation that's swept by this crazed move, this movie that's about demon possessions and hearing voices and the devil at work. You know what I mean? Now, yeah, yeah, that's a very good so point. This but lawyer, I also want to point out that I've 
you know, I've seen many movies and some terrible ones that I've never once vomited. <laughs> yeah. And I have a weak stomach. That's, <laughs> I guess that's true, you know, but I, I mean, that, I guess that could be said. So, something can be said for desensitization. But back then, I, my dad, I've heard my dad's told me stories that when The Exorcist first came out, he and his two brothers went to go see, all three went to see it together. Uh, now they were 21, 24, and 25. Um and they left the theater, and it was at night. They drove home together, and they were nervously talking about everything they'd witnessed, how crazy it was. And they all went to bed in the same bed with the light on for the rest of the night. They wouldn't leave the room. They all slept in the same – they were terrified. Oh, yeah. Yeah, uh, uh, movies can definitely have that effect on you. I just always think it's funny. Yeah. For whatever reason, when people say this movie's a really scary movie, they bring up that they vomited. <laughs> I don't. I don't throw up when I'm scared. Yeah, I may urinate on myself a I've, little bit. Yeah, I've never thrown up either. <laughs> defecate, maybe. Yeah. Vomit, no. No, but yeah. Defecate, defecate, definitely. So, I mean, that's on the list. Exactly. So you're talking about something that's making that kind of money. It's it's this huge thing. You've got a lawyer that's got dollar signs basically in his eyes. Let me write a book about this craziness that happened, this weird circumstances surrounding it, the fact that there was no one heard sounds. I mean, you're talking about the neighbors didn't hear right these shotgun blasts you know what i mean yeah um, and that's it he loses the case he wants to write a book that's right yeah and, and if you ever <laughs> every interview with him I, he just seems more and more like a, a cartoon character almost to me <laughs> he totally looks shysty like he is basically what you think of when you think slimy lawyer he does yeah exactly he is the epitome of that <laughs> of that view <laughs> Slimy lawyer, right? I mean, and, he, and and a lot of the times when he's talking, he openly admits he's like, "Yeah, I was gonna write this. I was gonna do it," you know. Um, and well, even the guy—I mean, we're jumping ahead a little bit—but even yeah. the guy who wrote the book, oh yeah, uh, whenever they would ask him about it, he was apparently some famous writer of a lot of stuff. Yeah, and he said that, "Yeah, I'm writing this book to put, you know, buy myself a bigger house, pretty much." Or, or, oh yeah. And stuff like that. He's just doing it for the money. He goes, I'm not interested in the truth. I'm interested in money. That was one of his quotes. Basically, yeah, exactly. Um, so I guess that, that does. It moves It moves us to the next part of, of the history Yeah, I'll story. set you up for this because you know quite a bit about this. Uh, in nineteen in December of 75, that's when yeah. uh, George and Kathleen uh, Lutz or Lutz, I've heard it pronounced both ways uh, in their children movie. Yeah, Lutz um, is how I've always heard and, and pronounced it myself. Basically... He marries her. Uh, she's already got kids, and so he's the stepdad. And they buy this house. Um, and they said there's two. And this again with these people, there's stories. There's different stories. Everything about this whole house and little small town. There's all different stories. The first story is that they they hadn't heard about the murders until after they bought the house. Then there was the story that they had heard about the murders ahead of time, but didn't care. Yeah, most of the interviews that I saw with him, with the with the father, that's who talks more than anybody. Yeah. The kids don't talk about it, except for the older one at one time. Yeah. But um, George would always say in the interviews I saw that, yeah, they were told beforehand, and they talked about it as a family if they wanted to go ahead and buy the house. Exactly. And so, but they ended up deciding to buy the house, uh, and they moved in. They moved. Well, let, let me ask you something real quick. All yeah. right, let's say I mean, you're married, so you got a wife, you yep. got a family right there. Me, my dogs, and my cats. Yeah. See, I, I'm a single guy, but even so with me being single, if I'm going to move into a house and the realtor's like, look, I got to kind of tell you something. <laughs> like, they were uh, just between me and you. Okay, you're the guy moving in and I'm the realtor. So you're looking at your house yeah. and you like it. Look, hey, this is a really handsome house. Uh, yeah, there's something I got to tell you about this place, though. Uh, so. There's nothing that you could say that would change my mind. I know, this house is amazing. I know the price looks beautiful. 
It, it's a, I can, it's it's a handsome budget. house. It's a handsome house. Fits my budget perfectly. I'm ready to move in tomorrow. Six dead bodies. Three words. Six dead bodies. Uh, did you hear? Oh, I'm getting a call. Uh, <laughs> hey, I'll be. I left my oven on at the at the shelter. <laughs> uh, exactly, and then it's the. Yeah. Hey, I'll be. I'll be right back. <laughs> Taking off down the road, but seriously, like, yeah, no, I mean. I'm not. It's hard to say. Even if, even if, I'm sorry to keep interrupting you, no. but even if you don't believe in that stuff, right? Let's yeah. say you do not believe in ghosts and stuff like yeah. that. Even so, that's still a weird thing to have happen in a house you live in, right? Like you're gonna always walk into that bedroom, and when you're laying in bed, think, was my bed in the same position? Did this person lay this way? Like, you know what I yeah. mean? And it's not just. I mean, it's bad enough when adults get killed, but I mean, these are kids. Ugh. These are children. That's even worse. In their sl- well, apparently in their sleep, so they didn't even know it was coming. You know what I mean? Like, not that you want them to know it's coming, but, like, that's just, like, they went to bed the night before thinking about, like, maybe what they're doing the next day, what's going to happen at school, or playing with the kid next door, or, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. like when you go to bed at night, or, like, sometimes you, when you, I don't know if you've ever, like, um, were you a, are you an only child, or do you, did, or? I, I have a younger sister. Elk, well. I don't know that you ever shared a room. So I'm just saying, like, you ever shared a room with other kids, like when you're going to sleep at night and you're doing that thing where you're, it's dark and you're not supposed to be talking, but you're kind of talking, like, hey, you awake? Yeah, I'm awake. You know what I mean? So I would do that when I would, like, spend a night at friends' houses or something. Exactly. So can you imagine these two kids in the room and that's what they're doing? I did that, that last night. night. <laughs> <laughs> and your doll's answering you. That's when you run out of the room. <laughs> but these kids are going to bed with that innocence, you know? And then. Yeah, and I just want to point out that I, boom. for the record, I do not have any dolls. I'm a man. They're action figures. (laughs) They're not dolls. (laughs) They're fully posable figures. But yeah, me, I don't know that I could buy a house just knowing that stuff was. I mean, it would have to be a really. It'd have to be a handsome house. It really would be. It has to be the most handsome house you've ever seen. Seriously. It would have to be the Brad Pitt of houses. (laughs) (laughs) Um. But it apparently, if it was the Johnny Townsend of houses, <laughs> you know, no, I don't think so. But the Brad Pitt Call of houses, <laughs> apparently, it was it was the Brad Pitt. It was what in the seventies? Who was the guy? Steve McQueen. I mean, it was the Steve McQueen of of houses for these guys. They bought the house anyway. They didn't care that people were killed in right. It. Uh, um, maybe because if it was like the Johnny Townsend of houses, you'd be like, ugh. But. You know, you go inside and it has a really nice personality. Exactly. Can you see them, the George and, and Kathleen, at night, the night before they're moved? They're like, you, sh- you sure you're going to be able to sleep well putting little little Missy up in the bedroom where that little girl's head was blown off? Oh, I'm fine with that. Yeah, me too. All right. Can, <laughs> good night, honey. Good night, honey. You know? Like, yeah, it doesn't bother me at all. So. <laughs> it's just weird, man. But they did it. They moved into the house. Um, and... The story goes that they moved in and immediately started experiencing weird things. They had a because they're Catholic, they had a, a priest come and bless the house. I guess it's a normal thing that Catholics do when they buy a new house. Uh, and the story goes that he went through the house and as he came to specific rooms, like weird things would happen. There would be a bunch of flies in one of the rooms, and he heard like really loud in his ear, you know, "Get out!" Uh, all demonic sounding. Um. Then more weird things would happen. They would, uh, their personality started to change. There would be cold spots in the house, slime falling from the walls, uh, toilets flushing. The, the this guy, is all their claims now. This is what they exactly. said. Exactly. Uh, George Lutz would say he'd wake up in the middle of the night at three fifteen uh, every night. Um, 
they they heard all these weird weird sounds and one of the things they wanted to do is um they called in a priest again to try to clear it out again they actually tried to exercise the house uh actually it was getting it was getting flabby it really needed to work out (laughs) get these demons out of the bellies uh they I have actually have a clip of him explaining what happened and that it wasn't a good idea. Listen to this. It's crazy. We tried to kick out what was there and it didn't want to go. You go around, you open a window in each room and you say the Lord's Prayer and you command it to get out of that room and you go on to the next room. But it didn't want us to go around blessing each room and, and commanding it to leave. In the name of God, we would go around and do that. And when I finished the first time, we heard a chorus of voices scream out, will you please stop what you're doing? Uh, So that convinced us that what we had tried to do didn't work. And things got very bad that night. So like those, that's right from his, his mouth. He, he heard all these voices at once yelling, stop. Um, collaborate and listen that i was just about you know what man oh my god i was just about to say the comedic side of me really held back in saying (laughs) collaborate and listen right (laughs) yep that's awesome um but this was the claims that they went through this thing and 28 days later they moved out um but they They didn't know they didn't just move out they just left (laughs) yeah they left and here's the reason i'm gonna let him tell you right here this is crazy here you go listen to this too you know, all kinds of things are going on that night. Noises are going off downstairs, front door slamming, dogs getting sick, the kids' beds are being levitated and dropping down. And that was the last night we spent in the house then because that was, it was ridiculous to even consider staying there. And yet it was very hard for us to leave, to just organize all five of us into the same room and actually get out to the van and get us started and drive away with the dog. And that's it. They left. They left all their furniture, uh, all the food in the fridge, um, all their clothes. They brought what was on their backs, a couple of things they could grab, toys, everything, uh, photo albums, checkbooks. Everything was left in the house. And they refused to go back. That was the other weird thing. Like, they really did not want to step back into the house. Yeah, I don't I don't believe they even did. I know uh, no, not one at time all. George met with people. In front of the house, but they said he refused to go in. Yeah, the people he was meeting with was what had to happen was because of what happened in the house, they wanted to get investigators out there to check it out. So they actually called in some famous psychics, Ed and Lorraine Warren. Uh, have you ever heard of these people before? I'd heard of them before uh, just because, you know, I get interested in this stuff and I'll okay. just kind of look into things. They're kind of famous when it comes to uh, this sort of field and stuff. Now, Ed's passed away. Yeah. I think we should do an episode on the Warrens. I think that would be kind of interesting because there's a lot that they've, they claim to have gone through in the past. Yeah. Um, and if you ever listen to any interviews with her, mm-hmm. she seems – I mean she seems sincere in what she says. She's like a granny, right? Like you yeah. like you, you would never look at her and be like, oh, granny, you are crazy. Like you take her and like, really? Like did this really happen? And she seems so kind and nice. I mean I don't know her personally, but just from <laughs> – you know, interviews. She seems like somebody you'd be like, oh, man, you have an awesome grandma. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Have you ever seen um, her house? Uh, yeah, she runs a museum out of it, doesn't yeah, she? It's the, the, the occult museum. All the different weird artifacts they ever um, confiscated that were supposedly possessed. You know what I remember her from? Uh, at that museum, she has that doll yep. that's supposed to be cursed. And that's the, what I remember her from. The little Raggedy Ann doll. Um the movie, what is it called? Uh, the Conjuring was based on that that story, that doll. 
Uh, except oh. the doll doesn't look the same as what the real life doll looks like. But he's going to say the autobiography of Kim Kardashian. <laughs> the Conjuring. Yeah, because that scares me. <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, no. They so anyway, they called in the the Warrens to investigate this thing, and uh, there's actually famous news. You can actually find the news clips. Uh, they brought the news with them. Uh, a well-respected reporter. A couple of mediums, and they decided, and didn't they have a, a demonologist? Yeah, oh, well, that's what Ed is. Ed Ed Warren is a demonologist. Okay, I'm going to ask you this, and yeah. again, yeah, I don't know where you are in the spectrum of this thing. Yeah, like I I've never personally seen uh, anything like that. I've had weird experiences before, but you know I haven't really seen anything, so I'll never sit there and tell you that this stuff is real. But I also will never sit there and tell you that it's not real because I don't know. Are you talking about demons? Any of that. Demons, ghosts, or any of that. Oh. Um, um, demons. I believe there's... Now, my point, though, is... How do you say that you're an expert demonologist? <laughs> you, I could just say that myself, and there's nothing you can do to say that I'm wrong. Well, here's the thing. Um, I'm an expert in elves and uh-huh. fairies and unicorns. I believe you. You have to. Yeah. <laughs> can you prove me wrong? N- no. Exactly. And that's, I guess, maybe... And in... I, I say this, I like them both. They're both, when he was alive, oh, yeah. he was likable, too. Yeah. It's, it's just, how do you... <laughs> Does he? Where did he go to school? Where's Where did he get that certificate? Yeah. Like, when he showed up on the scene for the investigation, they're like, are you the demonologist? Can I see some credentials? You know, what's Does he, he show? Does he have a badge? Does he have, Does like, a show? Demon... <laughs> and what does the badge look Is it, like, a crucifix, a gold crucifix? Yeah. Like, with a halo on top or something? Yeah. <laughs> No, oh man. No, See, but, I don't know. Anyway, keep going. No, yeah, yeah. So, um, so yeah, he he flashes his badge, and they all go in. Like they had, and the house is still the way they left it. All all the stuff's still there, and they all night they they filmed, they recorded. The mediums all said they felt stuff. I believe Lorraine Warren said it's like it felt as close to hell as she ever wants to get. Um, but no one experienced anything. The, the news cameras didn't pick up anything. They had cameras. Uh, on all the different floors, taking pictures, time-lapse pictures. And so nothing came up. They wanted to see basically the exorcist on TV live, you know, for the news. And it didn't happen uh, until they developed some of the pictures that they took. And this will go back to what you said earlier in the show, the ghost boy. Right, yeah. Um, we'll put this up on our Facebook page, the picture of the ghost boy. Yeah. Uh, I, it's it's a famous ghost picture. It's probably one of the, the most famous ones. I remember seeing it the first time. When I was younger, and it blew me away. Like it sent shivers down my spine. Same, same here. Uh, I think we. I told you before when I was a kid, I I would check out those books from the uh, the library that were ghosts or like unexplained unexplained things, mysteries. Um, and coming across that picture one time, going, "Holy crap! Like that house is for real." <laughs> like it creeped me out. Oh yeah, and you know it's like the uh, none of the actual reporters or anybody there said they really experienced much. I think they did say. That one of the cameramen before he walked in got some weird pains in his chest or something like yeah, that. Yeah. But other than that, they didn't really witness or feel anything. No, not until they developed the picture, and then they were like, "Where'd this kid come from? Who is that?" There was no. Yeah, they, children. they claimed there's no kids there. There were no kids there at all. They also claimed at the time of the pictures there was no one on that second floor. Everyone was downstairs, um, so everyone was accounted for. There was no reason for there to be anything that looks like a face looking out of that bedroom. But there was there in one of these pictures. There's this face that's looking out of the bedroom. Uh, now you did mention Johnny that it's going to be on our Facebook page. Why don't you tell the good folks what our Facebook page is called? It's just called History Creeps uh, on Facebook. Well, so that's convenient. Just, 
Yeah, it's pretty easy to remember. <laughs> but yeah, that's what we'll post a lot of pictures, maybe sound bites, news clip videos, things like that to kind of be companion pieces to our, our podcast. Right. And we uh, want uh, everybody to kind of interact with it too. So Exactly. So, um, all right. So like the Lutz has had these people do this. It became a media thing. And once it became a media thing, they realized that, that they needed to, they, they say they wanted to talk to the lawyer of Ronnie DeFeo to, to bring the story up saying that this may be a reason he could get off. He really did probably hear voices because we experienced this kind of stuff. And that's where this lawyer comes back. <laughs> Yeah. So this lawyer's like, well, I was going to write a book. Um, why don't you meet me on this day and we'll talk. So when they go to meet him, he actually called a press conference uh, and then they claim against their knowledge. They had no clue of it. And they, they just tell their story to the press. And he says, you know, they're going to put a book out that says this and that he's going to appeal the case or, or the, the conviction. And this is where it just explodes. Uh, because I remember hearing an interview with somebody after the DeFeo murders and they're saying like they never would have thought that they thought after he was convicted and put in prison, that was the end of the story. Their little town would go back to normal. Uh, they didn't really expect it to explode. And now the entire country knows the name of their town. Um, but this is where it happened because uh, the, the lawyer wanted to make a big production out of it. He wanted to have a story. He wanted to make money off of a book. Um, the Lutzes claimed they didn't want to. However... They quickly broke ties with the lawyer and hired um, one of the like at the time he was one of these more respected writers, a guy named Jay Anson. Uh, now, do, do you remember the reason why they say they broke it off with the lawyer? The the reason that I'd heard was that they said that he wanted to give some of the you know some of the money that they make to Ronnie DeFeo Jr. Yeah, and there was actually they showed uh, I've seen the on a, a, a documentary the document itself that basically broke down how much money he would make if it sold so many units. Um, and they were just like, no, he's not going to make money off of this. We just want you to help him get off. So he's not in prison. Right. So they decided to go their own way. Uh, and then you can either, well, they, they decide the yeah. lawyer wasn't too happy about it. Yeah. You can just, you can take it as they didn't want him to make money. They just wanted to help him or they didn't want him to take their cut of what they wanted to make on this. And that's why I, I bring this up as well. These are all their claims. And these are claims that are coming off the blockbuster hit Exorcists a year, just just the year before that. Claims of demon possessions and the devil and all this weird stuff. Uh, and then they hire this this writer, who's at the time is a very well known writer. He wrote documentaries for documentary films. Like he would do the he would write out what was said during you know when you narrate them and stuff. Um, and he wrote a couple other things that were really well known at the time. So he took on this story and. Like you said, he basically said, yeah, I'm going to make money. I don't care if I'm telling the truth, but I'm going to write this. So it's yeah, he was asked. Uh, they said somebody asked him, hey, do you care if this is true or not? And he goes, I don't I don't care about the truth. I just want to make money. Exactly. Uh, and he decided he was going to have his own version of The Exorcist on his hands. He wanted to make a blockbuster. And have you ever read the book itself? A long time ago. I need to reread it. It's been forever. Yeah. Let me tell uh, you, um, it's creepy. I mean, I'll, I guess I'd have to reread it, but I remember my 9, 11, 11 year old self was like terrified. <laughs> yeah. I remember scenes in that book where, like, dude, I read this. The, you remember the scene, the story where he talks about uh, he wakes up every night at 3.15, George Lutz, and that was right. the time of the murders. But he would wake up every night at that time, and one night he woke up and he heard a whole bunch of banging coming from his boathouse down behind the house. So he goes down there to go, you know, shut the door and lock it up. And as he's turning to come back to the house, he looks up and in the window, it's his daughter, 
you know, sitting in the window looking at him. And behind her is this like head of a pig with glowing red eyes. Dude, when that scene, when I read that in the middle of the night, you know, nine, 11 years old, I slammed that book shut. I was so scared, and I put it between my mattress and box spring, and I didn't pull it out for another couple days. I was just – it terrified me. It scared the crap out of me. I was like, what the – what was that? You know? And there was – so the dude – actually, it was it was effective. His style of writing is very effective. It's It's got a very good creep factor. He would end or, or like, have all these buildups that would leave you, like, terrified before you had to turn the page to find out what would happen. You know what I mean? Yeah, and they said as soon as this book came out, it was an instant bestseller. Boom! Yeah, it was like top. It was on the. It, it was selling money right away. And what was the very first thing that happened? Movie option, and movie option with who? Margot Kidder. You know. Yep. And and, and, that, and that was only like a year after, year or two after the book. Exactly. And just to, and just to piggyback on the book real quick, um, he uh, Anson made a lot of money from it, but oh, he yeah. didn't really get to enjoy it because they said he died not too long after that oh yeah he died of a heart attack and then that that points to all the paranormal weirdness to the apparently everybody that's had some sort of tie to this story something weird or or unfortunate happens to them um and that was one of them everybody said that he tried to make money off of it and you know his heart gave out it didn't work um but yeah so then a movie came out and the whole it blew up um and the Lutzes began began to get scrutinized. People said that they were it was a hoax that they were just trying to capitalize. You know that from people would claim that from the very beginning, uh, they planned on buying the house with the intention of saying it was haunted and all that stuff to try to make money from the very well, beginning. There were all kinds of claims against him. One yeah. of them that I heard was that um, he knew he couldn't afford the house in the first place. Yep, and that he his whole plan was to let it go back anyway. Um, but you know, there's. It's kind of weird. I don't know that when that movie came out, I think around 79, somewhere around in there, mm-hmm. it was huge. Yeah. The movie was humongous. And they said that you couldn't even get down that street. That's how busy it got because people just wanted to see the house from yep. the movie. And that's what led them to move it. Uh, the people who, bu- And that's the thing. Everyone who's owned the house after the Lutzes has said nothing's ever happened. Right. They all claim not a thing. Uh they all say that it's just normal. It's not haunted at all. They go out of their way to say that. Yeah, there you can find old footage uh, of the the family that bought it right after the Lutzes. They actually had the news come in. They took them on a – you can see the inside of the house. They take you to the little red room that was claimed to have been found, some hidden room in the basement. Um, the red room, If you probably saw that same interview. Yeah. The, the young – the kid – the guy who was like their, the friends of the kids said it was just red because it's the paint that the dad had. Yep. And it was their toy room, so they painted it for the toy room. Yeah, if you go, if you watch the the footage of the the family um, after them, there's the one of the daughters that owns the, that's living in the house brings the news camera down there, and she goes in. She's just it's a little room. There's some, and you can see is paint, and some of it's not even like nice. It's not that handsome. It's kind of peeling and falling apart. <laughs> uh, you know what I mean? Um, yeah. But yeah, like so it exploded. The movie, it was popular and they had to move the house. These people who ended up owning it after them was like, this is too much. We can't deal with it. They ended up moving it over a lot. So it became 108, the actual house itself. Now the lot, uh, 112 Ocean Avenue had another house built there and um, they say nothing's happened on the lot. So it's not the house. It's not the lot. Um, Fast forward all and we thought like that was over back then. Then you have remakes of movies and it stays in popular culture until like the past couple of years, there was a documentary that came out called um, my Amityville horror or my true Amityville horror or something like that. And it was the documentary about the youngest boy 
who lived in that house. Yeah, Danny, I believe it was the, his name. The Lutz kid. And he said it did happen. All these things really did happen, but the circumstances around it was all messed up. Uh, yeah, uh, this documentary is really interesting. It really it's is. It's really good. Uh, he's a he's strange. Yeah, um, easily. He, uh, he comes off kind of intense, really intense. He uh, seems really angry. And if all this stuff happened, he deserves to be angry. But he yeah. claims the whole time, before they even moved, to that house before they even thought about moving that his stepfather was, he didn't like his stepfather. Like he hated him. They didn't like each other at all. Mm-hmm. And that he was kind of abusive and he was just, just all around, you know, just not a, a good person. Yeah, exactly. And, um, he stated that if you look at old interviews with George Lutz, they ask him, you know, are you into the occult? Have you been into that stuff? Is that why you feel maybe things have happened? He states, no, he's never been into it. He didn't know much about the occult until after this. Uh, but this kid says that when his mom was dating him, they'd go to this guy's house and he had like shelves full of stuff about, you know, devil worshiping and the occult and all this stuff. So there's just so many stories that are tied to this little piece of property uh, yeah, and what really what really different... made that documentary interesting to me was that first of all it was like it was really well not only well done but he said a lot of things and he you could tell he wasn't comfortable saying them. Yeah, and on top of that, uh, the kids don't really talk about it much at all. the The daughter doesn't no. remotely talk about it. Not at all. Uh, his older brother doesn't say much from the sounds of things. Right. So this was eye opening to me. Like I don't know. What, like, I don't know what to think after watching it. <laughs> the thing is, and I always look at it this way, too. Like, what is he looking to gain from telling this story? Did you notice how a lot of his, his a lot of the times he was trying to show off his music and his guitar playing skills? And, yeah. like, <laughs> and like, watch me play this. You know what I mean? Like, watch this. Like, he almost has that younger kid mentality still. Like, like when you'd go over to a friend's house and they have a bunch of kids and one of them's the youngest, that youngest is always like, watch this, watch that I can do this, watch me do this. You know what I mean? It's, yeah. It throughout the whole documentary. He still has that, like, watch me do this. <laughs> right. Yeah. Um, but right. yeah, a lot of what he says though, raises questions. And what I was saying earlier, the point is that like, there's so many different stories to both aspects of the entire idea behind Amityville. So many stories behind the DeFeo murder, so many stories behind what happened with Lutz's. And it's it's is so weird, isn't it? Well I wanna I wanna bring up one point. Um in the room with the flies, they said they had a window that would always slim shut. Yep. Um Danny, who was the youngest who that documentary was about, mm-hmm. was the one who said his fingers were caught when the window slammed shut. Yeah, that's in the book and it's in the movie. Yeah. Right, and that's what his dad, his stepdad, would always say that that happened, and then he said that it happened. Yeah. Yet you can go back, and uh, somebody said, "Well, what hospital did you take him to?" Because he said he took him to the hospital, and no one knows. And, and then he would change his story. Oh, we didn't take him to the hospital. Yeah. So, and and also in this documentary, the other thing that makes you really think is they ask him if he would submit to a polygraph test, and you know the ones that. Did I say it right? Uh huh. Yeah, yeah. You said it right. Okay. You were. <laughs> oh, I was. <laughs> you got really quiet. I was like, "Am I saying words wrong again?" Dang it! Uh, no. And and he he got mad. Yeah. He got angry. Insulted. And he said, Why would I need to do that? Yep. Exactly. Um. Now the thing about the the, the parents taking him to the hospital. The only thing I can maybe say is like in the seventies. Um. I don't know how. When were you born? Uh, 83 okay so you're slightly younger than me but like 
Um, and I was only I was born in '78, but like kids born earlier than that, like their parents in the '70s, I could see maybe his hands getting slammed into the thing, you know, and they're like, "Suck it up," you know. I mean, I know it sucks, but give me a break. You're fine. I'm not taking you to the hospital. So they're gonna say, "Oh yeah, we took him to the hospital to save face." You know, yeah. oh, we were great parents, but like in reality, he's probably like smack him because apparently Lutz was a uh, um, George Lutz was an ex marine, right? Um, yeah. So like I could see him saying, "Suck it up," you know, "Give me a break." Like the the windowsill fell on your finger. You're crying about that, you know. And the other aspect you got to look at this is that the mother seems to be like she's the one that's really odd to me because oh, yeah. all the kids seem to love her. Like Danny, you could tell in his in his documentary. Uh-huh. Adored his mom. She's yep. passed away, uh, but she comes off. And out of all the interviews, she doesn't ever say very much. It's more him talking than her by far. Yeah. And when she does say things, though, I really pay attention because I I just want to know where her head's at in all this. Same here. Every time I see these people talk on all sides, uh, the Lutzes, the DeFeos, the the lawyer, I'm always like really trying to extract like what's what are you trying to what's your what's your angle. You know, what are you what are you going to accomplish by giving me this information? What's the point to it? Um, it's it's definitely a case, uh, whether you're talking about the murders or you're talking about the the hauntings, the paranormal aspect of it. It's definitely a case that warrants a lot of interest. Um, and I would say even more investigation. There's so many things that are unanswered uh, and. Whether you're talking about paranormal, that's a little harder to explain. But if you want to go back to the murders, uh, again, the question was, how did no one hear those rifles go off? How would you pull that off? Um, I brought this up at the beginning, and I was—I figured I'll throw it at you now and see what you think. You haven't heard about the government conspiracy, have you? No, I have not. Uh, the one this- YouTube video that I saw about it was all words, and I refuse, <laughs> I refuse, I refuse to read a YouTube video. If you're gonna do a YouTube video, you know, put some daggum pictures on there. <laughs> well, you get picked. There are pictures and there's some video, um, but there's no no audio. It, it is all just this weird music with. It's like almost like watching a PowerPoint presentation for the kid that was real gung ho in his history class first presentation. He's like, I'm doing a PowerPoint with all yeah. the words and the sound. You know what I mean? Now I will say before you tell me about this. Oh yeah, I am predisposed to not believe it. <laughs> Just because it seems like it doesn't matter what event happens in history, yep, big or small, somebody's going to sit there and say the government. The did government, it. exactly. It was the government. Yeah, and yeah. I'm not saying that they are they didn't have their hands in some stuff that's happened, right? But you know, come on. Yeah, you ready <laughs> so for this? You, so I really want to hear this. So if you can give me some like bullet points of what they were trying to say. All right, let's let's start with the fact that the DeFeos were well known or at uh, okay allegedly known to be connected to the mob. Uh, they moved from Brooklyn to Amityville to increase the drug traffic coming in. They go so far as to terrorize the neighborhood into knowing. I mean, these people know. Think about it. You have a nice, quiet neighborhood. The mob moves in, right? You're like, oh, geez. And now not just that. You're getting that knock on the door that says, listen, I think you know who we are and I think you know what we do. It's in your best interest to, to just act like everything's fine. You know what I mean? Yeah. They were tired of that kind of life. And apparently there was one of the people that lived in that little town, actually that same block that was in politics, but like on the, the state level or and I'm sorry, the, in the like the um, the more local level. And he had a friend that worked for the FBI. Now, in those days, the FBI had a, um, their own mafia. 
uh, it's actually a thing that they put out. Like it's, you can get those reports, you can find them online where it talks about how when they were trying to infiltrate the mafia back in the sixties and seventies, they actually had FBI agents who went undercover for years and years and years. And no one knew that they were FBI agents. Uh, have you ever seen Donnie Brasco, the movie Donnie Brasco? Yeah. That's based on a true story. Uh, that, that agent went undercover and he was in so long, he started to think and act like these guys. Like he started to really identify himself as mafia. Well, the FBI had all these groups of men that were out in these families identified with their own as their own family, like the FBI mafia. They were called in to live in the same neighborhood in the house next door. And apparent now here's the conspiracy part. Everyone knew that it was the FBI in there accepted the FAOs and they were they were monitoring them and they brought in these weapons that they had that apparently exist and what they do is they show in this little slideshow they show this discovery channel um special about uh military grade weapons when they were showing how uh military has these things that shoot sound through walls they were they developed originally back when i don't know some something in the 60s or 70s when uh some guy holed himself up and they got him out by like blasting metal music at him okay i've heard that before yeah so it goes through the walls but apparently if you you can actually cross them you know from one side and another side so that it pinpoints a sound to a specific area so they're saying when the priest was in the house the fbi was using it shooting sounds at him saying get out and all this stuff to make him think it was crazy you know they were shooting voices at ronnie's head saying to make him think he was crazy uh then there was also they said one of these things they have and apparently i i, I didn't really look this up. i don't know if this is real but they have this electric like like electricity kind of gun thing where it sends pulses and the the pulse is almost like an electric bullet. And what they did was the night of the murders, they shot all the family with these electric bullets, killed them all. They were already dead. And then a team moved into the house and put bullets through all of them. And that DeFeo, Ronnie DeFeo, was actually mind control style. Have you ever seen anything about um, Robert F. Kennedy when he was assassinated? They said Sirhan Sirhan said he was um, brainwashed. He didn't. He had zero memory of anything that happened all the way up until he was being tackled. He had no clue. Mm. And DeFeo says the same thing. He has no clue. There's people who say he, you know, he killed him and he went to work that morning. Went to work, no problem. Came home and then was shocked to find the bodies and ran out to the bars. So this is the theory that the government actually took him out the, as a mob hit and pinned it on DeFeo. Well, let me ask this. What would be the point of of going through all that trouble? <laughs> I know, right? Like, let's bring in all this military-grade style weapons. Let's yeah, do you know how expensive why not? that? First yeah. of all, that's expensive. And why the little kids? Why not just pop the old man in, in an alleyway somewhere in the middle of New York while he's Why would he's you even pop business? anybody? And if you're going to do it, why would you kill some of them weren't even teenagers that's yet. what i'm saying that's the craziest thing isn't it like the government went in and killed children and the mob originally when defeo tried to say it was the mob the mob was like like people who were known in the mob at the time were like give me a break like we don't kill children that's just not what you do in the mob you don't kill the families you know you just don't do it yeah um but that's the government conspiracy side so that's what i'm saying there's all these really crazy ideas as to what happened on both ends because now, they, they i did say hear the, to kind of back up what you just said though one of the things that I heard was uh, their house was under surveillance, and that one and during the murders they saw Don the oldest come out of the house at some point with a gun. Really, I did not see that. Yeah, that's really cool. So I, I mean, take it for what it's worth. I, I don't know. Yeah, I mean, you, you'll hear all these kind of things. Like I just heard that uh, some 
cop on the West Coast who's about who's in critical condition just said that he helped cover up Tupac's murder. That kind of thing. So really, yeah. So oh, you know. let me tell you, that's that's probably going to be an episode. Also, the murder of Biggie and Tupac. Yeah. Because those are it's a history thing, kind of. I mean, they they change. Oh, it is, it is for sure. I mean, I'm not even into hip hop, but that's definitely a history thing. And there really is a lot of conspiracy as to what happened for real there. Uh, And I think that that'd be a fun show too. But this one, Amityville, um, I leave it to you. I I leave it to the listeners really to decide what you think. You can go on and check it. What we're gonna do for these shows when we play these clips and we get our information. uh, Not only are we gonna post the info on what the show is about. Underneath, we're gonna give a little section of sources so you can see where we got our information. Um, Any of the clips played on the show will be credited there as well. Uh, And this way, you can make up your own mind. Uh, Might make your mind up on what you think happened. I mean, so let me ask you, Johnny. What do you think happened with the DeFeo murders? What's your true, like in your mind, as far you don't care what anyone thinks, you think this is what happens? It's so tough because there's so many weird things in it. In my in my gut, I feel that he just did it. Like it it was him all by himself. I think maybe his sister kind of knew about it or something, and maybe she was kind of in on it. Mm -hmm. Because if you just listen to of course, he changes his story a lot, but he constantly will constantly say that him and his sister neither one really like their dad. Right. So you know, I wouldn't put it past the point that maybe she had something to do with it. There was a rumor also that he and his sister had some. Um, oh yeah, a, a yeah. Relationship that was not supposed to be. Yeah, son of a, sort of a. Uh, I don't know how far you really go. They enjoyed each other. You could say that kind of a relationship, but yes. you know that's neither proven and they also said that when he was taken to the neighbor's house like his grandfather came by and said that you know you're going to say that you did it none more this your sister helped nonsense yep yep so it's you know i don't know i think at the very least he had a hand in their murders for sure Hmm. at the very least and he knew what he was doing because he tried to cover it up interesting now i do i do also think he's a little wacko yeah. And that's not a medical term. Yeah, no, but that's not that's it's not an official term. Right. He's 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 uh That's our history creeps diagnosis. Yeah. He's got he's like he's he has some psychotic issues, I guess would be the best way to put that. Okay, and where do you stand on the whole Lutz uh the story, the Jay Anson book, the whole media aspect of it? I heard somebody say if it sounds too good to be true, then it's probably not true. <laughs> and that's the way I kind of lean. I, I think something happened. It's already a creepy house to start with. You move it into it knowing that these people were murdered before you. So it's kind of easy to start hearing extra noises in your house. And it's kind of easy to start, you know, like if an event happens, let's say the window falls or whatever. Let's say that really happened. It could have been from anything. Like yeah. it could be caused the way the house. Somebody said they went back into the house and they left the window open. If you stepped on a certain part of the the floor in a house, the window was slammed shut. Yep. So, you know, it could be all kinds of stuff. You'll start explaining in your head that, Hey, maybe this was this, maybe this was that. Especially if you're influenced, you're right. Uh, myself on the DeFeo side, I think, um, what I'd heard, I'd read somewhere that the grandfather originally didn't believe his grandson did it either. And he hired an investigator to find out what it was. And the investigator found out that it was the grandson. It was the daughter but it was also the friend, the three thing, and that it, what had happened did happen. The friend freaked out. Ronnie tried to get him. Uh, the guy who was the friend that was the supposed accomplice, apparently uh, as he was dying or on his deathbed, um, people asked him, you know, can you clear this up? Can you just say whether or not you were there? Were you a part? He just refused to say anything about it. 
he just died. Hmm. So myself, I feel like they did do it. I don't feel like it was a government conspiracy. I don't think devils told anyone to do it. I think it was like you said, I think they were abused. I think they had had enough. I also think that he saw his dad as, I mean, when you're in the mob or you're in that kind of lifestyle, uh, if you want the top, you take out the top. You know what I mean? Yeah. So I think he saw his dad as having a certain position uh, with the money and, and the business and whatever it was. And he wanted to take over and because he was going around flaunting the money and you can't touch him kind of a thing and out drinking all the time. And uh, it just got to him. And like you said, he's, he's a bit on the wacko side. So some of that LSD, some of that heroin didn't help out. Yeah. What do you think about the, the actual honing thing? Oh, that shit's honeyed as hell. There's demons all over that place, man. Are you kidding? <laughs> now, I will say, I will say, just so that everybody knows, like I've been to some really creepy places. Like yeah. I've been to Waverly oh, and all these places, and they have fun. an air about them that is beyond creepy. So I can understand, you know, being predisposed <laughs> to believe this stuff. Like yeah. I, I, like I was feeling like I had to look everywhere when I was in that building. No, I thought I kept seeing things. <laughs> I'll tell you, um, and honestly, about the Lutz house, the. The kid in me wants to say I believe in that stuff, like because I love creepy things. Halloween's, are, you know, October's my favorite month. Halloween's around the corner, uh, horror stories, all that stuff. I love it and I revel in it. But when when I have to think about the logistics behind it, it just seems to me like a couple that figured out let's try to cash in on the fact that everyone's into paranormal demonic stuff right now let's buy we're looking to buy a house already in new york area let's buy this house because we know this happened in the house and then we can move out right away and who cares about bringing our stuff after we sell our story we can buy 10 times of that stuff you know what i mean yeah and that's the other thing they i mean it's still a lot of money but they only made three hundred thousand around in there yeah see and, and I everybody I, else made made millions and billions yeah and that was only because they didn't they got taken for a ride themselves. They weren't aware enough of how to sign their contracts and what to sign with. Um, but I think in his mind, he was on an empire. He could he could capitalize on it and make money. And I feel like the wife and kids were along for the ride. They couldn't help it. And he may have gone a little crazy and done weird things around the house to maybe freak his kids out. You know what I mean? I really yeah. think that may have been possible. Uh, but overall... I just I can't see that as being 100% real. Not that I've never had experiences myself. We in the future episodes we'll get to them. I've had certain experiences that I can't explain in this in this respect though because no one everyone else after the fact says nothing's happened. Uh the land nothing's happened. Nothing. I can't get behind. I just can't see it being real. Yeah, and we didn't even get into um the Native American aspect of this. Oh yeah, no. That's, I mean that was another thing they tried to say like this was some sort of uh yeah. sacred Native American land. Yeah, right after the the Warrens investigated the place, they brought in another guy who had a psychic with him who said that there was a Native American man buried underneath. Um, but there have been a lot of Native Americans that have come out and said they never buried their water, the dead by the water. So it probably wasn't anyone buried under there. But who knows? You know, it's there's so many things. Everyone's got an angle, and everyone's looking to capitalize in some way on the story. Uh, oh yeah. I mean, I'm selling this episode to uh, Dateline tonight, actually. Um, no, you should because it's just because it says Amityville. Now I didn't get the contract for this, uh, so is this uh, did under you, the table? Did you not get that in the in the email? No, I didn't. I, I feel like you're going under my. I'm about to sit under my back, which makes <laughs> zero sense. You're going under my back on this handsome house. I think <laughs> it must. I must not have attached it correctly. I'll, yeah. tr I'll try again. I'll try again. <laughs> um. 
I mean, yeah, Amityville, man. This was a good episode. I like it. It was a good episode. I think we're on the right track on how we're going to have our next few episodes come along. I think so, too. Uh, we had some fun. Uh, nothing, it's nothing. We don't have to be too serious. No, and I'll probably be even less serious as we keep going because yeah. I'll start being myself more and more. Yeah. But uh, we. Uh, it's kind of hard will... to joke around when there's dead children involved too much. Yeah, it's it's, it's hard for me to really make a lot of like <laughs> whoop a doop a doop a doop jokes when there's, you know. Yeah. Kids who are, who were brutally murdered. But um, but, uh, 112 I, Ocean Avenue, man. It was, it was a oh man, it's so interesting. I, I encourage anybody make sure you check out our Facebook page. Uh, after this drops, we'll start putting some stuff on there about this. Um, and stay tuned because I think next week we'll we'll let you know we'll announce what our next show is going to be about. Yeah, um, one of the things about our show that we're going to try to do to set it apart from other shows we were talking about was uh, not just have episodes come out every couple weeks, but in those off weeks, we're going to put out a trailer, something that's going to give people something to know what's coming next. Yeah, uh, whether it's sure. yeah, whether it's sound clips, music, um, us talking, telling jokes, whatever. It's going to it'll it'll get the point across. That's right. That's right. So uh, you can follow us on our Facebook page, like I said, mm-hmm. uh, and you can also check out our other podcast. Uh, I do Into Oblivion. Yep. Uh, it's it's definitely more of an over the top comedy kind of thing. And then you do what? We do. Uh, me and a couple other guys do back issues comic book podcasts. If you're into comic books or anything related, movies, TV shows, um, anything re- regard- regarding comics, we talk about that. Uh, we each have respective Facebook pages for it. Uh, Johnny, you got a Twitter for people to follow you at? Yeah, it's at into. Well, I, my own Twitter is at Johnnyism. Uh, is there a twenty-eight after that? I don't remember. There's so many of these. <laughs> my Instagram is at Johnnyism twenty-eight. I know that one for sure. Uh, because and also, uh, I just want to throw it out there real quick. Sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt you, but you are an amazing artist. So uh, if you're new oh, to listen, you, you're new to listening to us, and we're it's your first experience with us, definitely follow his Instagram. You're not going to regret it. Thank you, thank you. Yeah, no uh, worries. I'll take any any uh, compliments I enjoy and. We'll revel in. Yeah, um, I'll, I'll take my payment through PayPal. Uh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> but thanks for joining us. Yeah, definitely. I'm gonna. Uh, we're gonna end the show here with a few words from the man himself, Ronald DeFeo, and this is what he said happened. Uh, we'll see you guys next time. I went in there to scare him. I didn't go in there to kill him. What had happened was Thorn was said something smart. I said, if you want to get rid of mommy and daddy, I said, I'll go get you a gun. I said, in fact, I'll get you a shotgun. How's that? And I went in the room and I grabbed your gun. So I said, here you go. What do you want me to do with that? I said, it's all ready to go. Just pull a hammer back and squeeze the trigger. The bullet in the chamber. It's all ready to go. So she said something smart. And me and her start arguing. I said, listen, this ain't getting us anywhere. What do you want to do? So I said, come on, come on. I'll show you how to handle this like an idiot. I went downstairs. And everybody was sleeping except her and me. His door was like three quarters closed. I went in there and I said, hey, fat man, fat man, get up. And he started to get up. I'll never forget that. I got scared. My sister looked at me. She says, do it, do it. I said, do it. I said, yeah, you do it. You know, I mean, we had a split second. He was getting up. I said, do it. I said, yeah, you do it. So then when I seen his body getting ready to make the move, I just pulled the trigger. 
after I pulled the trigger, I hit the lever, shot him again. My mother yelled, oh my God, run. Now my mother went with a hand, my mother went with a hand towards the side of a bed. My mother had a 38 revolver. My mother went for that, I said, oh. My sister looked at me. I said, are you happy now? Are you happy now? I said to her, she looked at me. She said, oh, oh my God, look what you did. I said, look what I did. I said, this was your idea, not mine. I said, look what I did. I said, mommy got shot on top of it.